Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, June 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Donald Trump will extend and expand on current immigration restrictions in response to the coronavirus pandemic. I'll talk to the FT's Andrew Edgecliff-Johnson about what this means for American businesses. And Apple is transitioning away from processing chips made by Intel. Plus, last week, Wirecard warned billions of euros was missing from its accounts. It's a story the Financial Times has been investigating for more than a year, a story involving fraud suspicions and the German fintech company. Our investigations editor, Paul Murphy, will unpack the difficulties in reporting the story and the decline of the company. I'm Mark Filipino. Here's the news you need to start your day. Donald Trump says he wants to protect American jobs because of the coronavirus. That's the rationale he's given for expanded immigration restrictions. To understand what these restrictions will do and which industries they'll affect the most, I spoke to the FT's U.S. business editor, Andrew Edgecliff-Johnson. So he's framing this as a way of protecting American jobs at a time where, as we all know, unemployment has been soaring because of the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Specifically, it falls into two categories. He's extended a previous pause, as he put it, announced in April, on the green cards, which grant permanent residence to would-be immigrants to the U.S., And the second part of it is is he's extending that um, till the end of the year, first of all, uh, on the green cards, but also to the end of the year, he will stop the issuance of any non-immigrant temporary work visas, which had not previously been caught up in the so-called proclamation of April. And which companies and industries will be affected most by this? Well, I think the highest profile industry is probably technology. We've, we're all familiar with the H-1B visas, which are used to bring in programming talent and developers from principally from countries uh, included, led by India and China. As somebody put it to me last week, every company is now a tech company. So this isn't just the big IBMs and the big sort of IT consultancies that we're familiar with. It's now increasingly manufacturing companies, service companies that are also using that visa to bring in skilled workers. But it will also affect an interesting array of people from you know, landscaping and forestry jobs where there are seasonal H-2B visas granted most years to those exchange students, cultural and educational exchange students and au pairs, which many families have come to depend on. Has the Trump administration encountered any pushback for this move? Speaking to business in the run-up to this decision and uh, getting some of the early reaction from the Chamber of Commerce and others, yes, this is going to go over very, very badly with business. There will be pushback and there will be attempts to challenge this, I suspect, in the courts. That's certainly what business groups were talking about doing. We heard from the Chamber of Commerce on Monday putting up a not welcome sign for engineers, executives, IT experts, doctors, nurses and other workers won't help our country, as they put it. We spoke to Chuck Robbins, the chairman and chief executive of Cisco, who said this may actually be a Canadian Jobs Creation Act because companies will end up putting some of the people they plan to bring into the US across the border in places like Toronto and Vancouver. It truly is a historic day for the MAG. 
Our vision for the MAC has always been about embracing breakthrough innovation and having the courage to make bold changes. That was Apple's chief executive, Tim Cook, in a recorded video as part of the company's Worldwide Developers Conference on Monday. The big news? That Apple is transitioning from using Intel chips to processors designed in-house for its computers. Mr. Cook said the transition away from Intel would take about two years, and the first products using what's being called Apple Silicon are expected by the end of the year. Apple already builds its own processors for iPhones and iPads. It uses designs from ARM Holdings, which is owned by SoftBank. The Mac's move to ARM designs is meant to improve computer speeds, and it's meant to give third-party developers a more streamlined way to create apps that work across Apple products. Apple shares rose 2.5% and hit a record high of $359 after the event late on Monday. And German payments processing company Wirecard is fighting for survival after a reveal that more than $2 billion may not actually exist. Its auditors, Ernst & Young, said late last week that they couldn't trace the money that was supposed to be held by a trustee in two Asian banks. The news prompted an enormous collapse in Wirecard's share price. Paul Murphy and his investigations team at the Financial Times have been raising the alarm about Wirecard for several years. He has more. Well, this is, or was, Germany's great tech hopeful. It was Germany's answer to Silicon Valley. This is a company valued at 25 billion euros at its height. So its failure now really does crush those aspirations. So, Paul, I, I, I'm wondering, how does 2 billion euros just vanish in this scenario? Well, it's actually becoming clear that the two billion never actually existed. These bank accounts that were actually in the Philippines have proved to be empty. Essentially, there were two halves to Wirecard's business. On the one hand, it had customers for whom it processed payments directly, say the little supermarket or airlines, when you buy an airline ticket from say, Wizz Air, those payments would be processed directly by Wirecard. On the other side of the business, the company claimed to have lots more customers, but these were held through other payment processing companies. What's emerged now is that these third-party customers either didn't exist, or if they did exist, the profits were being channeled elsewhere. Why didn't the auditors notice? The best explanation we have so far is that there were shown documents that were simply forged. And of course, the events of the past few days have provided an important validation of Financial Times reporting. The FT, specifically your investigations team, was early in spotting financial irregularities at the company. Why was it so difficult to report this story? Well, this has proved to be the most challenging story of my career, and the, the same is certainly true for Dan McCrum, who is our prime reporter on this. We faced incredible pushback when investigating this matter. We were followed, we were spied on, we suffered hacking attempts, we had incredible amounts of online abuse with Twitter trolls and by email. There's been this kind of relentless campaign for people seemingly working for Wirecard to present FT journalists as being corrupt. And 
that we are somehow in league with stock market speculators who are supposedly want to manipulate Wirecard's share price. So yes, it's been tough. Paul, do you think the company can survive this? Uh, no, I don't think it will survive. There might be a rump of the business that gets picked up by another rival payment processor, but big corporate frauds never survive. And this is really big. I believe this is the biggest accounting fraud since Enron. Wow. Yeah. The big losers? Well, lots of ordinary German investors will have lost heavily in this. Some will have lost their life savings because it was very, very popular amongst retail investors in Germany. A lot of people will lose their jobs as a result. You know, there are a lot of innocent people working for this business, several thousand. But beyond that, there's also the damage done to Germany itself, to the reputation of its financial sector. This scandal should have been snuffed out years ago. And instead, it was just allowed to grow and grow. So I'm curious, Paul, is the tech payment sector more vulnerable than other parts of the financial sector? Could there be other wire cards lurking out there? I do think regulation of this broad sector, let's call it fintech, needs to be tightened up. To date, regulators, and this is in many jurisdictions, certainly in the UK and the US as well as Germany, regulators have been reluctant to impose too many rules on these young companies, fintechs, because they don't want to be seen as smothering innovation. But the fact is, it involves ordinary people's money being moved around the world. And therefore, yes, it does need more stringent regulation. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. 